Hello, everyone, and welcome to Novel. This is your host, Caleb Linville. Today, I'm excited to present commentary episode 8.5. And again, joining me is Mati. How's it going, Mati? Caleb, it's going really well. And I think that the listeners will agree that episode 8 was very unique. It it has a lot of sharp contrasts to the previous episodes. And so this is going to be fun to kind of um, unpack a little bit what this episode is about. Yeah, it is definitely different. You know, the thing that stood out to me in this episode, it was a little bit less about Andrew. And it seemed it was more conceptual about the importance of memory and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the first, I don't know, first third of it is a story that we've never heard before in a place we've never seen before from a person we haven't met yet. Or I guess we did meet them right at the end. <laughs> right. The the elder of the wildering people. Mm-hmm. So these wildering people, just for context, if someone missed episode seven, they need to go back and listen to it, of course, to get caught up. But help us understand what the wildering people are a little bit. Uh, so the wildering people, they are people who choose to live in this sort of in-between land, which Andrew finds himself in, which according to Mac is pretty unique. People usually just stay in the, in the first mountains um, until they've finished processing whatever they're there to process. But the wildering people, they're different. Uh, they choose to live in the first mountains, and they've built a community uh, in the valley that they're that they're a part of. They've built a community there, and uh, there's all sorts of people there. There's children, there's um, young men, there's old men. It's it's really interesting. I found it interesting too that they're all kind of celebrating an evening around a fire. But in episode seven, the fire was kind of noted to not be like other fires. It, it wasn't burning wood, for instance. There were black rocks, it appeared, that it was burning out of. Yeah. Um, and the fire seems almost like a personality in the story. It responds to what's going on around it, which is, I think, is kind of interesting. We think about fire. We think about warmth. We think about security. We also think about how destructive it can be. You know, when it's not contained and used as, as a good tool, right? Fire can be a horribly destructive force. But this fire somehow seemed to be in sync with the people that were there. And uh, was kind of a reflection, I think, maybe on their emotions or maybe certain types of emotions. Yeah. It's like um, you, you were talking about how fire is is warmth and there's, a, there's sort of a homey quality to a fire, um, and it's almost like when the emotions of the wildering people are in a sense homey where they create a, a comfortable atmosphere, um, the fire responds to that and becomes more homey itself, so to speak. <laughs> it's kind of like a mood ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it reflects the mood of the community. I, I think that's really kind of a neat concept. It's a fun thing to think about. And the community is obviously in sync as well. 
about how important um, these various experiences are to them as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, in this episode, and we'll get to what happens a little bit later, but something significant happens and the children stop their game. People all turn and look. Everyone smiles. They look up to the sky together. The fire flares and dances. And it's it's interesting because this is a community in kind of a, a sense of the word that's really hard to find these days where people seem to actually be in agreement and understand a common purpose. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. these days, people in community that understand a common purpose. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> um, I found this episode in that respect to be really comforting. Mm-hmm. And would you like to go back kind of through the events of this episode before we get too deep in the weeds here so we can kind of package what happened? Sure. So we start out in a completely different place it turns out being um sam's past life which is the new character in the story um he tells a story about the boulder house which is really integrated into the boulder family and what it meant to be a a boulder and it goes through the history of the house and the different generations and what the house meant to the family and the community and then eventually it uh, ends with the house burning down in a freak fire and Sam watching it burn down. And uh, it describes just this, the tragedy of that and the heartbreak. And um, there's a certain level of, I think, um, identity crisis in a lot of ways because the house was such an important part of who the Boulder family was. And so that's what the story gets into. And then uh, Sam lives the rest of his life. He has a few children of his own and tries to keep the Boulder family pillars, um, you know, going on into the next generation. But without the house, it it sort of felt like something was missing, I think. After that, we end up uh, going back into well we come out of that scene into the fire surrounded by elders and uh, andrew is really moved by the story um and so is mac and it seems like everybody else is as well and i think that's when we sort of discover the first um theme of what what this episode is about and then uh, after that, um, Andrew notices a bunch of spheres floating above everybody's head, and in each in each sphere is a scene from a point in their life where some tragedy happened, some defining moment happened in their life, and Andrew actually notices in his own sphere a scene of pearl laying in a hammock um and out of that comes unknowingly andrew tells the story of pearl and the community is amazed by it and they they love the story and they understand the story and what pearl meant to andrew which i think is 
really significant, um, and we can come back to that. And that's more or less the whole episode. It's it's a lot of a lot of experiences, not not so much, um, you know, philosophical thought or profound things that happen, as much as just experiencing a community and the power of stories. Mm. I think from this I got a few thoughts that kind of stood out to me. One is the power of story, mm-hmm. like you just mentioned. But, you know, you, you've probably heard a really good storyteller at some point tell a story so very well that you just feel like you really get it. For a moment, you forget who you are and where you are, and you are just a part of the telling. And I think that what Shannon wrote here is kind of the penultimate example of this. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when uh, Sam, the elder, finished his story about the house, then Tacito, Andrew, said, his, he said, I feel like I understand. And I think what he was saying was, I really understand. It's almost like the sharing of the stories around this fire, for some reason, allowed people to be not just listened to, but absolutely heard and understood. And this is a strong desire that people have, the desire to be heard, the desire to be understood, but it's also scary mm-hmm. because it's very personal to be understood that well. Yeah. The stories, they seem to provide a empathetic bridge. Mm, yeah. And the community appreciates it. Mm-hmm. And the fire appreciates it every yeah. time, you know, I, that empathy is experienced and the fire responds. Once again, kind of the the community heart represented in the flame somehow. Mm-hmm. There was one point that came out of Sam's story, though, because Andrew said he understood it all except for the peace. Yeah. It, it was a peace he had not known. And the reason is because he was realizing that Sam was sharing a a multi-generational tragedy, right? Right. That had shaped his life as a young person. And then it had shaped the rest of his life, which was 87 years. And yet this tragedy didn't really leave scars with Sam. He had processed it. He had dealt with it. And, and there was a peace. And Andrew didn't understand that peace, at least not yet. Yeah, and I think that's the essential part, is Sam is able to live with his tragedy and engage in community and live you know he lived his life and andrew hasn't really been able to do that right and andrew kind of did just the opposite he ran from community became a hermit tried to bury all of pearl's things and memories tried to live his life in a way where he didn't have to feel instead of sharing the joy and the celebration of pearl's life he did just the opposite Mm -hmm. And we found out in the previous episodes that instead of treasuring Pearl's things, he actually was trying to hide them away. And uh, so he did just the opposite in his own life. So this is another stage of healing for Andrew. And I think this really matters for people to realize we all get to the point in our grief where we can celebrate all the good that we remember about someone or about a big loss. 
And that's a very healthy thing to do. And it's part of the power of story again. Mm-hmm. You know, children learn how to deal with large, scary events in life by hearing the stories of those events told by their elders. And as the elders relate those stories, then the next generation learns how to cope and manage and to thrive. Mm -hmm. And I think that the scene here is really cool in the sense that it's very rare that you get to see this intimate um, storytelling, you know, passing of gifts from one generation to another. And it's, it's worth pointing out that the children are listening, even though they're playing a hacky sack type game in the background, they're a part of this scene and yeah. they are also listening to the stories and responding to them. And, uh, I, I would like to contrast that just a little bit with our modern day. Okay. <laughs> I, the current realness. And the reason is because before radio, if people wanted a story, then either they were reading a book or they were listening to a friend or an elder or a parent or a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, right, who is sharing the story. And then radio shows started providing stories for people to listen to. And then television provided stories with actual pictures that moved. And then they became color pictures. And then the movie industry started taking off. And then came the internet. And then came streaming, live action, everything. And then came social media. And now, when you go to a family gathering, as often as not, you see kids staring at a phone or a screen off in a corner somewhere. And if the older people in the room are visiting... They might be staring at screens as well, but the children seem to be missing out. And people no longer value story, at least they have an experientially valued story because they don't know the power of it necessarily. They think that story is what comes from a, a three inch by five inch piece of glass. Right. They don't know that it comes from the heart of a person who lived it. And I was so blessed that I grew up in a storytelling family, and I grew up in a time when we would sit for hours and share stories. And it was a huge, huge gift. It's a gift, matter of fact, that I want to share. I want to share the stories with the next generation, and I hope to do that soon. But that said, I noticed that in today's world, we have something that I think is a dim reflection of true community with social media. And we have something that is a dim reflection of true story when we look at the entertainment industry. And you can look at the progression of the entertainment industry. It's become more and more volatile, more and more extreme. And whatever the subject is, the emotions are more extreme. The violence is more extreme. The ideas are more extreme Everything has become bigger and bigger and more and more extreme and louder and louder. And I think that's because we're all just kind of being desensitized. And that makes it difficult to understand and celebrate the power of just sitting and listening to a fellow human share. Yeah. Well, it's, it's hard to maintain that empathetic bridge 
if there's not a human on the other side of it, hmm. or at least one that we can interact with. And how many of us even are practiced at having an empathetic bridge? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. I think that that's something we need to be aware of. And Shannon, thank you, because you showed us kind of a, a really big example mm-hmm. of how this could be. Now, we, we need to probably progress to the orbs, the spheres that were floating above people that after the storytelling of uh, Sam's story, that's when Andrew notices the spheres. And the spheres are containing essentially the, a memory. And a lot of the memories are tied to a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Right? And as Andrew sees the orbs, he begins to realize everybody has a story. And everybody had a tragedy. And somehow they've shared these tragedies. And this is where Andrew tells his story. And he, like you said, he didn't actually know he was telling the story. He was just viewing into his own orb. Yeah. And he was relating the story somehow, involuntarily. But what was that story? It was real simple. Um, barely even a story. Is <laughs> almost, yeah, but... Um... Basically, it was Pearl laying in a hammock, sleeping with a smile on her face, which apparently was something she did, and Andrew Andrew just watching her sleep and going up to her and um, tapping on her chipped tooth, (laughs) and then she would would laugh, her goose-like laugh, and um, that was pretty much it. But it was a it was a snapshot of a day in the previous life of Andrew when Pearl was alive and they were both happy and it was a really powerful scene actually, despite its uh, shortness. Yeah, I mean it's a scene that represents peace and satisfaction, mm-hmm. companionship, uh, a certain level of intimacy, mm-hmm. right, that is shared in laughter. And then after Andrew tells the story, Sam pulls a little scrap of paper out of his pocket and there's writing on it and he throws it in the fire and then Pearl's goose-like laughter emanates from the fire and goes into the skies and it's kind of like, whoa. So a part of the, the story that was really resonant was captured this way magically somehow mm-hmm. and then shared again with the entire group. And this is when the children quit playing their game and everyone stopped what they were doing and they all looked to the sky to hear the laughter and the goose sounds and to celebrate that very special moment that came from Andrew's life. And they received it as, as a true gift for the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure if Andrew understood all of that. I Yeah, I don't think so. He was... He was more preoccupied with trying to find Pearl at that point. He thought that she had suddenly shown up. Hmm. Yep. And, but I think for the first time he began to witness the power of story. And this story, or this episode, ends with some amazing words. Um, Some of them I wrote down here. It says, Stories can be beautiful things, Tocito, when we choose to share them. They're universal. Many of the messages behind them are not to be guarded with lock and key, for they are us. And 
Andrew had been guarding everything with lock and key. And not only had he locked away Pearl's things, but he was trying to lock away all of his feelings about all of it. I mean, this whole um, season, all of the episodes together, are talking about the progression of healing and how Andrew had managed things in an unhealthy way, but now through these amazing experiences, he's beginning to heal and be more alive than he ever was before. Mm-hmm. And this is another step in the healing, being able to share the story. One of the really cool things I find about this episode is that it's talking about stories on a very intimate sort of micro level of the stories that are told by individual people. Um, but then, as you mentioned, Mati, uh, Shannon through Mac says says that stories are universal and that it's part of who we are as humans and that right there I think might be the most profound thing in this whole episode um, and the reason I say that is because of the idea of archetypes which are in fact universal stories which span over centuries of human experience. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's meaningful. Every now and then you'll see this in literature or in movies where someone has passed away, and usually it's a child saying, I miss the lost one. Mm-hmm. And then someone with wisdom walks up and says, they're not really gone. They live right here, and they they touch your heart. You know, they touch mm-hmm. the they touch the heart of the mourning person. And what is it that lives on? It's the story. It's it's the story. Yeah, it's the story. And when you say the story is who we are, um, that's powerful. I mean, I don't want to get too metaphysical here, but <laughs> you know, we all walk around with a bunch of bones and muscles and organs and things that make a body. And obviously, we're not just story. We have a body, and that Mm -hmm. means something too. But in the end, the story is what we've done. It's who we've become and what we've shared and what we've believed, what we fought for. Yeah. Who we loved and how we loved. And that is so much more. I mean, if I asked you who you are, would you describe the muscles in your left hand? No. <laughs> I would I would describe at least some of my story. Right. Um, yeah. In, in a lot of ways, a person's story is more real than, you know, their physical body. Um, or even, even their mind, for that matter. Um, in, in philosophy, there's a lot of debate on which one is more real, the... Uh, exterior world as we perceive it or our interior mind and I think that stories they're more real than both of those things because they live in both of those things beyond your existence Mm -hmm. you know I've even heard an argument made which I, I tend to agree with once I listen to it the argument was that fiction stories that are clearly not real that are clearly make believe sometimes are almost more true 
than nonfiction stories. And the reason mm-hmm. is because they can dip into some of the things that are common beliefs and experiences, archetypes of what it means to be human. And we hear these stories, even though they're not real, mm-hmm. we hear these stories and we respond to them in a more visceral way than we do to real life. So the argument is that stories, even though they're fiction, can hold more truth than even reality itself. It's a, it's a crazy argument. It's a, Yeah, it's crazy. But I, I find that uh, argument fairly compelling as well. Um, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I started Novel is I wanted to explore those deeper stories. Um, I wanted to explore archetypes on some level um, through, you know, both through storytelling. But then for me, I, I like, you know, telling stories through music. And so music was my medium for exploring that. And then Shannon, you know, her medium was obviously the actual story. But Yep, and it always takes the the teller the one who can bring the story to life vocally, right? And mm-hmm. that's why Jonathan contributes to it. Mm-hmm. And I am lucky enough to get to talk with you about it a little bit, but I think that this episode, this is really meta, because in a way, this episode is about all the episodes. Yep, yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> it's the scene that shows us the power of story, and the goal of Novel Podcast is the power of story. Yeah. So I kind of feel like we've looked into one of those mirrors at the fair where they show you a reflection a thousand times on both sides. We're, we're <laughs> diving into the layers. Mm, yep, yep. But anyway, well, thanks, Caleb. It's been a lot of fun talking about this one. And thank you, Shannon and Jonathan. I uh, At first, when I heard this episode, I was like, well, what does this have to do with Andrew? But then as I kind of unpack the box a little bit with you, I realize how very meaningful this episode is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very cool. Has a lot of cool stuff in it. Um, yeah. And as always, uh, if you want to keep updated on what novel is doing, then go ahead and subscribe and follow um, wherever you, wherever you do that, Apple podcast, Spotify, um, Comments are helpful. They really help the podcast to grow. Uh, you can leave comments in Apple Podcasts. You can leave comments on on uh, Novel's website, novelpodcast.net. That's probably the best place to leave them. Um, and next week, another episode's coming out. And we're not done with mountains yet. We've been, for this last episode and episode before that we've sort of been leaving uh one mountain going down into another valley um but now we're we're gonna for this next episode we're gonna go back to another mountain so it's gonna be really interesting i'm excited for it that's fun and i want to say if you enjoy this podcast when the mountain's called novel podcast which will eventually be a collection of all sorts of stories yeah, I hope so. <laughs> um, but if you're enjoying this, then please tell someone else about it. Someone that you think may also enjoy it. And that's the best way for the word to get out, is for friends telling friends about something that they enjoy. So if you value the power of story, share this story with others. And thank you very much for listening today. Until the next show, 
Yeah. Share the story by telling a story. <laughs> there you go. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>